Welcome to the Stuff of Nightmares podcast. Hey, what's happening everybody? My name is Rick and I'll be your guide on this little journey to get your true crime and paranormal fix. We'll be talking about everything from monsters in the closets to monsters next door. So make sure you keep an eye on your neighbor, you look under your bed, you check your closets, because the stuff of nightmares starts now. This week's episode is going to be a little different in honor of Halloween. This episode is a story about someone that had an experience with a playful prankster spirit that turns dark after they experimented with a Ouija board. There will be no true crime this week due to the length of this episode. Hi, my name's Matt. Um, I grew up in a small town in York County, Pennsylvania. And I am here today to talk about the experiences that I had in my childhood home. I moved into the house in 1995 uh, at the age of 12. And my family lived there for a total of about 12 years. I only lived in it for about seven to eight years until um, I moved away. But the stories and the experiences that I've had in that house pretty much developed me into who I am today and um, are as vivid as the day that those experiences occurred. The things that happened in that home occurred the entire time. It wasn't just one incident. It wasn't just one moment in time, but over the entire seven years that I was there, we experienced these things regularly and you kind of learn to live with them. So I guess I should begin by talking about how these things started to happen and how they progressed. So once we moved into the house, it was just very subtle things. You would get the feeling that somebody would be watching you. And I, I just kind of brushed it off. But then you, I started to be doing a chore, be doing an activity, and I would look behind and you would, you would almost hear movement. You would see a curtain move. And then it progressed into, with those movements, you would begin to see a shadow, almost the figure of somebody who was six foot tall, uh, curly long hair. And then it would just disappear into another shadow. But that shadow would now be darker and it would be the shadow of an inanimate object. And you knew that you weren't crazy because I would look, I would go towards where I saw the shadow and then I would see where the light would reflect and it wouldn't be a place where light would normally reflect anybody else's shadow or my own. So over time, I think whatever entity this is started to become more comfortable and playful and it would just continue to move from different shadow to shadow. You would see it, 
sometimes you'd walk up into a room and you would see the figure and then it would move to a shadow but then you could fixate on where it moved to and then it would move again and you would see it come from one shadow to another and then it would just disappear and you wouldn't you wouldn't have that feeling of somebody watching you anymore and the shadows that were there naturally would become lighter and it should, the presence would just be gone as I mentioned before um, it wasn't just me that experienced this it was in my entire family and my friends um, with me today I have my uh, best friend Travis he's here um, Glad to be here. Thank you. And, uh, well, Travis, just in this time, um, I, you know, started to have you hang out in my house. And um, during a su the summer, the first summer that I was there, you'd hang out. Uh, just if you could tell a little bit about um, the first time that you experienced this entity in my house. Well, I mean, we were, of course, we'd be outside all the time back in those days, but uh, a lot of times we'd come in in the middle of the day and watch MTV or something um, and just kind of hang out in your living room. Your parents were at work, so it was normally just us two uh, and your little brother, I guess, probably was a babysitter or something because he was really young at the time. Um, yeah. But I remember the first time it happened... Uh, we both heard creaking upstairs in your hallway. Um, and I guess I guess I should probably try to like describe your house yeah. and how it was set up before I go into this. So uh, your house was kind of looked like a row home from the front because it was kind of like a half a house, but it was really long. So it was a large house. Um, and it was kind of half staircases in the house. So you'd walk in through the front door and it'd be the kitchen. To the left was the dining room. And there was a staircase that went up to the living room from the dining room and a staircase that went up to the living room um, like from the kitchen area. And they were like half staircases. So each floor was like, what do you say? Like maybe five feet. And then it'd be a floor. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was about about ten to about ten, eight to ten steps per floor. So yeah, about five feet. Yeah. So uh, the it went from the kitchen to the living room. Then there was a staircase that went up from the living room that had like a banister you could see through, um, and it had a hallway there, and that's where your bedroom was. That was connected to your brother's bedroom with like a little foyer area. And then there was a bathroom up there with a shower room. So there were two two doorways in that hallway. And then there was another, it's probably like only four or five steps up into your parents' master bedroom. And if you would walk from the kitchen downstairs, there was like a rec room area. And then there was another half a staircase that went down into like a basement area. Uh, the rec room also had a sunroom on it. So um, just kind of give you guys the layout of how his house was set up because it's kind of important 
you know, to, before we move forward with these stories. But anyway, uh, I remember you were sitting in the recliner that day. Your living room was set up where I had a TV, a recliner, a love seat, and a couch. And I think I was on the couch that day because I remember vividly looking towards the staircase that went upstairs. And we started hearing footsteps upstairs. It sounded like heavy, kind of freaked it. Yeah, like it kind of freaked us out because you could hear the floorboards creak and it was a carpeted hallway up there. So we were thinking maybe somebody was in your house, had gone into your house while we were, you know, out playing earlier in the day. Um, and we, I remember we both were like, do you hear that? And we were kind of freaked out about it. And you could hear it coming down the hallway and then you saw this figure. Um, like you described the fo- before, but it was broad daylight, so it wasn't a dark shadow. And you could see... It was almost clear, like liquid. Yeah, it? it was like liquid. Um, I mean, another good description of, of what it looked like is like when you see a strong sun ray come through your window and you can see dust particles and stuff floating. Uh, you know, it, it was it was still humanoid in appearance. You could see all its limbs and its head and its hair, but it was like no detail to it. Uh, and I remember looking at it and looking at you and you look, you said, do you see what I see? And I said, I don't know. What do you see? And then you described the thing to me and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I see. What is it? And you're like, I don't know. I've seen it a couple times now. And, uh, I remember it continued walking and walked down the stairs towards your kitchen and then rounded behind the wall like it was going to walk down towards the rec room. And it would stop there and peek at you from behind the wall. Like it'd look at you, so you could only see like one of its shoulders and its head, and then it ducked back behind the wall. And I remember we were both just focused on it, looking through the railing, um, and it, and it would like, it, it did that several times to us before it walked down into the rec room and then we didn't see it again but we were i remember we were really really scared we had no idea what it was and uh i mean we like we didn't know what to do because the exit of your house was right where that thing was standing so once it disappeared i remember we told your parents and they they acted like we were crazy (laughs) so uh and then you know from that point on i know your mom told you more than what she told me, but uh, I guess I'll let you continue with things that then you started to experience alone before we go into s- some more details about what we experienced together. Yeah, thank you. I, that that experience, uh, I remember, to me, that was, that first time was... Great. It was terrifying, but it was also a relief for me because it, it as you said, my my parents were playing it off like, um, you know, nothing had happened and they hadn't experienced anything and kind of almost made me feel like I was going crazy. But for you to experience that, it was just like, you know, a relief because now it wasn't just me it was somebody else and we had experienced that together but as tj had mentioned 
the layout of my house, a lot of the experiences revolved around the upstairs. And in my personal experiences, I, I had continued to hear footsteps, but I'd also hear doors open and close upstairs. And so I would go up to investigate what I would hear. And so in my room, there was the attic door that led to my, our attic. And it would constantly, I'd hear the noises, I'd hear the walking upstairs, and then I'd go to investigate. And it was like this thing was playing with you. Um, I would go upstairs, I'd hear the, the noises, and the one time the entity had opened my door. was Now, the, the house was drafty. Like I said, I, I always am methodical about making sure that it's not something that is can be explainable um, by natural causes. And we, we knew that the house was drafty, so we keep the doors closed and most times locked upstairs. And you, you still keep, um, you still close doors behind you. I don't know. If to you to this that. day, I still do, yes. It's a habit. Yeah, because like when you when you visit me and and come to my house, like you'll use the restroom and you will literally close the door to the bathroom for no reason <laughs> when you come out of the room. And it's it has a lot to do with what we experienced. Yeah, but but this particular time, um, and this is not the only time. Uh, it's just one that stands out in particular in my mind. Um, I walked upstairs. I heard running and now my door to my bedroom was open and I heard it run around through my bedroom into the uh, bathroom through into our shower room and back out the door that leads into the hallway our main hallway and then up the stairs to my parents bedroom so I walked out of my bedroom now hearing that trying to catch something that may be in my house or someone and I walk into the hallway and sure enough my parents bedroom door is open and I hear running inside my parents bedroom so I go up the stairs and I turn the corner and sure enough uh, my parents had this I guess the best way to describe it is a suitcase storage area built into their closet. It was a small, maybe a three foot long by, what would you say, 12 inch wide hole in the wall that was covered up by a magnetic door with a handle and that could pop open. And then inside that though, was a room large enough to probably fit about five people standing it was really tall and it led up to the attic you could climb up into the attic from this little room in the wall and as i turned the corner the door to that little storage compartment was laying on the floor outside of my parents closet <laughs> and i i was absolutely freaked out but i grabbed a hold of the the handle of the uh, little door 
and I put it back in. And as I was trying to secure the door back inside the closet, uh, I heard rummaging around up in the attic. So I know where the attic leads to, which is the door in my room. So I ran back down the stairs to my room and sure enough, the door to our attic was open and it's we always had it locked, but now it, it was wide open. And I heard running around again in my room towards the door. Now at this point, I witness the other door uh, to my room swing open and whatever entity that it was ran, I could hear it running again through our bathroom back around to our shower room. And I tried to head off this entity by coming back out of my door into the hallway just in time to catch the door to our shower room swing open again. And this thing I could hear running down the steps to our living room. <laughs> and... um I, I was, I mean, it, I didn't feel like it was trying to hurt me or it just seemed like it wanted to play, like it was being mischievous. Yeah, it was, it was definitely playful when it, you know, at the beginning. And um, I remember your attic door would never be closed when we walked in your room. Had a, it had like one of those slide bolt latches and that would always be unlocked and the door would be hanging wide open. And you'd close it, and you'd lock it, and then, I mean, you could walk down to the living room and turn around and come back up, and it would be open. Like, it, it just never stayed shut. Now, it did stay shut when you were in the room after you locked it, for the most part. I mean, I never witnessed it open in front of me, but I don't know how it was opening itself. I mean, I, we, we tested so many theories trying to figure out why the door wouldn't stay shut. I remember very clearly... TJ, uh, us, you asking me and me asking you, did you open this door? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and we would, we would constantly, like, I remember we started to check, right? We would like, all right, I'm looking, we're going to shut this door. And then the next time we come up, the, the damn thing would be open again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'd be like, how is this happening? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it just seemed very, uh, whatever this thing was seemed playful. It wanted your attention. It did what it had to to get your attention. Um, the process of it walking from your upstairs hallway down the stair two staircases and peeking around the corner, I mean, that happened probably two or three times a week that whole summer. Yeah. You know, it, it constantly did that to us. So we kind of got used to it. And I, I remember it was probably when things kind of took a turn. I remember it was either, what, late July, early August, when the thing actually diverted from what it was doing, where it walked down both. That pattern. Yeah, so we kind of we thought it was just a pattern. This thing just kept doing the same thing. And uh, it was still terrifying, but, it, you know, you kind of became numb to it. Like, you're like, oh, there it is again. I don't know what that is. All of a sudden, one day, it came into your... Instead of taking the staircase down towards your kitchen, it came into the living room. And I remember I was on the love seat, so my back was to the staircase. And you were in the recliner. And it walked in between us 
and sat down on the couch. <laughs> and it was right in the center of the couch, right on the middle cushion. The cushion sank in, and it just sat there and looked at us. <laughs> and I remember you moved onto the couch that I was on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I came over on the recliner, and I was like, what is happening right now? And it was just sitting there still, like, you know, dark shadow humanoid figure. You couldn't see any detail of its face or anything. It was this, this shadow person sitting there. And I was like, dude, I'm getting out of here. I remember we hauled out through or down the staircase, out through your kitchen and out through your front door. Went down to your house. <laughs> and I was, Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're not, uh, I'm not going back there until your parents are home because it would never show itself or do anything to us when your parents were there. It was only when we were home alone that it was doing things like this. But, you know, it it wasn't so bad at that point in time. Uh, you know, we used to always play hide-and-go-seek in your house and stuff with the neighborhood, neighborhood kids because, I mean, it was big. You could, you know, I remember my favorite hiding spot was the suitcase area in your parents' closet. I used to go up in the attic to hide. And then I would crawl down because none of the other neighborhood kids knew about that little area. So, if the, you know, they would come to the attic and come up in the attic trying to find me. I just, like, climbed down into that room and just kind of, like, curl up in a ball and they couldn't see me because it was dark in there. But I think doing that once one of the other neighborhood kids had an experience while we were playing hide, hide and seek uh, led to something that we probably shouldn't have agreed to do in your home um, which yeah. made things worse so, yeah I definitely I, I agree um, I mean I guess I'll, I'll let you talk about uh, what one of our neighborhood friends experienced during the, uh, one of the highest hide and seek uh, adventures we had in your house and how, how it kind of went downhill from there thanks TJ yeah so uh, so our, our neighborhood, uh, friend, one of the girls that lived down the street, she had thought that she was, she thought she had saw me in the game and she chased what she thought was me into my bedroom. And when she went into the bedroom, the attic door was open again. So she, and she heard footsteps going up into the attic and when she went back, she went up into the attic, again, there is a light. She said the light was on, but nobody was up there. <laughs> she thought it was weird. Um, she turned the light off, came back down, and um, continued to search somebody out. But when, when everybody had yelled that, you know, somebody was caught, and we came back out, I had been hiding in the um, bench downstairs, or, or the storage bench. And when I popped out, she's like, how did you get down here? I thought you were in the attic. <laughs> and I was like, ah, no, I've been here the entire time. And um, we, we went back up to check and <laughs> she's like, see, somebody was up here because I just shut this door. <laughs> and sure enough, we went into my room and the door was open again and the light was on in the attic again. Yeah, and I, I remember she laughed, she laughed it off and like, she was like, you're stupid. I know you, I know what you did. Like you had to have found a way to hide in the attic and then snuck down here when I was looking somewhere else because no one else knew what we had been dealing with yeah. at that point. Um, so 
At that point, we kind of had to explain what we had been going through and told them that we had been seeing this thing. Shadow person. I mean, that's what we always called it, because that's exactly what it was. It was a, looked like a shadow, but it looked like a person as well. Um, yeah. And at that point, one of the kids thought it would be fun to bring a Ouija board to your house. Yep. So one evening, um, we went down into our sunroom. And this this sunroom um, had a collection of things that my mom had brought and collected over the years from different travels. So there was tobacco on the walls. There was cotton on the walls. There was several different types of plants hanging everywhere. The room was completely glassed. The walls were framed in windows, basically. Yeah, and and she had a lot of stands, I remember. Stands with plants on them. Yeah, on two sides of the room, she had, like, staggered stands with different types of, like, uh, like, I don't even know what kind of plants they were, but, like, kind of like... There was, there was spider plants, cactus, uh, you know, so many different types of weird plants that she had and we had a table and that's that we'd hang out we'd entertain people in that room and that's where we all gathered Uh, we had just candles lighting the room and we were just trying to to play with this Ouija board not really even knowing how to use it we were just going off of what we saw on TV you know and, and reading the directions of the game itself but uh, I remember everybody had their hands on the thing and we obviously were fighting and kind of disbelief because this thing was moving and it started to answer uh, some of our questions and when you do a Ouija board you, you, you never know if it's real you know you think that somebody else is, is moving it so I, I remember arguing over who was moving the thing but distinctly, I remember asking whatever entity was in this house to give us a sign of its presence. And without the, the windows being open, uh, I remember like this huge gust of wind coming, like circling around in the room. And all of a sudden, all of the plants and all of the objects on the the walls began to shake like violently <laughs> yeah they were like they were trembling like all all the leaves you could hear them like all trembling even like the tobacco on the wall hanging plants and uh, I I remember distinctly that people were like you guys are stupid why you know what are you guys doing that you're how are you guys doing this and I remember being like, these plants are on probably six different stands. They're hanging. Like, how do you think we could organize this to make everything shake? Like, we're not doing anything. This is just naturally and, happening. And you know, the, the weird, the craziest thing about that is those stands were not sturdy. It's like if, and, the, and those plants and objects were shaking hard, like to the point where the, the stands that they were on, if if it wasn't some that somebody or something controlling them, they would have fallen off if it was the wind that was doing it. 
So, obviously, hindsight, that was probably the worst decision we could have made. I know it was definitely the last time I ever messed with a Ouija board. Um, Because it seemed like, at that point, things progressively got worse and more uh, malicious. Dark and ominous. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, but this thing was no no longer playful. Um, so I'll let you, you know, continue talking about, I know you have a lot more experiences than me, but. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll start, I'll start with the first really uncomfortable experience that I had. Um, after that time, like I said, I, in my gut, it just felt like uh, there was something that we made a mistake and it just felt like a darker presence in our house. Um, so it, the things that were occurring on a regular basis turned from just sounds and, um, and, and shadow figure movements and playful to, to more physical. You could, you could hear, it was almost like a poltergeist activity that started to occur more frequently. I guess it began with coming in the house and I remember we went on a vacation after that had occurred and we came home and the lamps in our living room and in several different places throughout the house had been knocked over. Our, our phone, because we had a, a regular rotary phone, had had been, come off the hook. Um, there were plants that were knocked over. There was chairs from our dining room that were moved into other rooms. And it, there was just like papers. It, it looked like had somebody had come through and, and tried, were like searching for something. And we kind of just chalked it up. We, we did have animals. But, you know, my family had experienced this whole thing. They had witnessed it too. Um, we searched the house and we just kind of chalked it up to Because our animals, there was like cat poop on the ground. Our, 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 our cats would like have fun and, you know, chase each other around. And occasionally we had known them to knock things over in the house and kind of just chalked it up to that but then we went on a longer trip uh, it was a, it was like a five day trip and we got back and I remember pulling up to the house and just having this really awful feeling in the, the pit of my stomach because we looked up to the attic and the attic light was on and we walked in the house and it just looked like the FBI had come through and ransacked the home to, you know with a search warrant looking for something uh, every like stuff was drawers were open in the kitchen as we came through the door stuff knickknacks and things knocked off the walls and broken on the ground plants uh, uh, one of our uh, plants had been smashed up against the wall and had been shattered and there was dirt everywhere uh, some of the lights were on uh, throughout the house our lamps were turned on 
but they're like knocked over. We go upstairs into my room. All the doors are open, including the attic door. The light was on in the attic, and the window. There was a little window to the attic, looking out towards the road, and I remember that being open as well. And we're like, "This is this is crazy." We we searched the house to see if somebody had broken in, trying to find things, and we couldn't find anything stolen. Um, we just could not explain that occurrence, and it happened couple of times after that too TVs would turn on after that um, change channels while you're trying to watch them a lot of electrical problems we thought there was something wrong with the electric in our house because we just would have things turn on appliances turn on you know when they're not supposed to things being shortened out and drained or damaged we had to replace several appliances because they burnt out tried to chalk it up to some sort of electrical problem in the house but we also had that checked and there there were besides the electrical being old and probably um, out of date to spec they said the wiring was fine it wasn't really an issue um and then one evening i was in my room trying to fall asleep and you know that point where you're not sure if you're you're dozing off and you can't remember if something is a dream or if it's reality. I I was I remember coming upstairs because I was falling asleep on the couch. So I, I go into my room. I turn off all the lights in the hallway. I turn I close my door. I lock it, and I'm trying to fall asleep. And I know my parents are already in bed, but I'm starting to doze off and. I wake up because I hear my doorknob twitching. And the door cracks open and I hear it sliding across the carpet. And it's dark in the hallway still. But I thought maybe it was just like my parents just checking on me because it slid back slowly and then closed. And I remember like, oh, okay, it was just my parents, but I also remember that I locked that door. And granted, you can pop it with a little, it was one of the uh, pop lock where you could like take a small pin and hit the, the lock and it pop open. But I was like, well, the, the light's off. I'm not sure how somebody could do that. And um, so, I still stayed awake and just thinking about that fact was was kind of driving me a little bonkers and I'd say about 15 minutes later I hear the door uh, knob it's a brass doorknob so it kind of jiggles and clings when you're twisting on it I'm turned with my back to that door but I hear that jiggle and I look down underneath of the door and now the hallway light is on. And the door starts to slide open. And I'm looking past the door to see if there's anybody peering in. And I saw nobody behind the door. <laughs> 
and it, it was just enough so that I could see around the door to see if anybody was holding onto the handle. But it slowly went back and shut again. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm tired. Like, maybe it was just them checking on me. So I chalked it up to my parents again. <laughs> so another 15 minutes passes, and I start to doze off again. And remembering, remember that the, the light, it was still on in the hallway. Last I checked. But the door started to rattle again. And it pops open, and this time it slides open really far so that I can definitely see outside into the hallway. And But there was nobody behind the door, and I said, hello. And as soon as I said hello, the door slammed hard and closed and latched. Yeah, and your, your door, the friction from the carpet, it wasn't easy to open. No. I remember like you had to put a little bit of weight into it to get it open. Um, yeah, so, I mean that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I, that's it was very tight up against the carpet. That's why you could hear the carpet slide across the door, and it was not, it was not something that uh, was easy to slam like that. And it slammed hard, and it kind of like rattled the framing of the door when it slammed. Yeah, like that startled the the shit out of me and and mind you <laughs> I think I, what, at this time I don't know I was 14 or 15 not a little kid anymore um and <laughs> I uh I'm I'm scared at this point but nothing had happened and the, the light had now turned off in the hallway so I start to doze off again, and I hear the rattling again, <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta be shitting me, this is, this is out of control, and so I'm like hyped up now, I'm trying to be, you know, machismo about the situation, and I, I had yelled hello before, so this time I was, it started to open, and now again, I look around the framing of the door and I see the hallway light is on again and it starts to to swing open faster and I'm like who's there and the door slams up against the wall and the, the electric heater that runs along the edge the bottom edge of the room <laughs> and I had just flipped out and I ran around through uh, the other door uh, into the bathroom, into the shower room, and then up into my parents' room. And I woke my parents up, and I was trying to explain to them what had happened. And uh, I did not want to sleep in that room. I think I ended up sleeping. <laughs> Embarrassingly to say, I think I ended up sleeping in my parents' room that night. Because uh, I did not want to handle going through that again. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there was something about your room because I, I I remember when I'd spend a night, I'd typically sleep on the floor in your room, and you would hear the you'd hear the handle jiggle, but we just always you know thought maybe 
a car had drove by with a loud exhaust or something. Because, I mean, it was it was an old house. Um, but I remember when, I think the thing that stands out to me the most about your bedroom was your 13th birthday party. So it was the end of the first summer uh, that we, like, had gotten to know, know each other. And end of the summer, we were getting ready to go back to school and your parents were going to take us and, what was it, maybe four or five other guys? Yeah. To, to, We'd uh, always get in the back of the truck and drive down to Cascade Lake the next yeah. day. Yeah, and uh, so we were all spending the night for your birthday and you had, I think it was like a, a single bed, maybe a twin, but anyway, you were on the bed and we were all sleeping on the floor around your bed with like pillows and blankets and stuff. And I remember seeing, it was the only time I saw it in your house, I saw two orbs. I saw an orange and a green orb, like manifest from under your bed. And I just thought maybe, you know, it, it almost is like if uh, a camera flashes in your eyes, you see the little stars. That's kind of what it looked like to me. So I thought maybe I just, you know, uh, maybe it was my contact lenses that I had just started wearing. I had no idea what it was, but then some of the other guys started going, what's that? Do you guys see that? And you were like, knock it off, guys. And then somebody's like, ow, why'd you pinch me? Who's under the bed? And you're like, knock it off, guys. I need to get some sleep. We all need to go to bed. You know, we're going to get up early to go to Cascade Lake. You know, I think we got up at like 6 the next morning. But people were starting to blame each other for it. And I, I remember I just kind of like got away from your bed. Because typically I would lay right next to your bed. And I remember I like kind of slinked up into the corner. Because um, I knew it was probably something going on. And... You got mad and you were like, you know, if you guys are, aren't going to knock it off, I want to get some sleep because I, I want to enjoy myself tomorrow. Go, like, go sleep somewhere else. So I was like, all right, come on, guys. Let's go down to the rec room. So I remember we went down to the rec room. Um, and we were down there probably like 10 minutes. Uh, you had like a sleeper sofa down there. So I think like two or three of us were in the sleeper sofa and then you had a chair down there. So we found somewhere to, to lay down yeah. and it was probably what, like maybe five or 10 minutes later, you came rushing downstairs, freaking out. So I'll let you, you tell your story of what happened after we left your bedroom that night. Yeah. So uh, I came down there and, and a lot of this to, to somebody listening to it, I, I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes all of these actions sound like something like a, a younger kid would do, you know, uh, maybe 13 or, or younger. But no, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like I said, you said, I think it was my 16th birthday party. Was it? It was either 15 or, I think maybe 15, my 15th. I know it was one of your, like, major birthdays, because your parents didn't do that every year, yeah. so it was like, but we were still young. Right. And... I don't. I know we. I know we weren't driving because your parents had to drive us right. there. Yeah, I think. I think it was my fifteenth birthday, and um, 
<laughs> I remember you, I was like, finally, I can get some sleep. Everybody was out of the room. And as you had said, I thought everybody was just like playing a game of grab ass and, and you know, horsing around. And um, so it was all, it was very quiet for a, a couple of seconds. I'm like, man, I can get some, I can fall asleep. But as soon as I started to try to get some sleep, I started hearing rustling like people were still there on either side of me. I remember trying to look down on either side to see if somebody was still there. And there was there was obviously nobody. I, you know, I thought somebody was trying to play a joke on me. And that there were still people there below me rustling around. And there, there wasn't. And I remember when I was looking on either side to hear where the rustling was coming from. And the, the, my blanket kind of seemed tight. And um, so I started to just chalk it up to, you know, being tired. And I started to try to doze off. And I remember as I had relaxed more and more, I still heard the rustling beside me, and I remember go, and I but I started to feel pressure on my shoulders, and I'm a side sleeper, so I, I was trying to turn onto my side to feel, to get more comfortable, and I remember I couldn't. I remember the the pressure on my shoulders was too great, and um, from my blanket. And I couldn't move. And I remember that I started to try to fight. To I, I was like, what? And I, I turned again and I couldn't move again. And it started to, my blanket started to suck me down onto my, my bed more and more. And I started to wrestle with whatever was holding me down. And I was able to, I noticed that I was able to move my legs more, so I started to slide my body weight more towards where my, the where I can move the most, you know what I mean? Uh, I started to move my, my weight, and I lifted up my knees, and I realized that I could lift up my knees. So then I lifted up the blanket with the bottom, you know, my hands underneath closer to my knees. And as I did that, the pressure just completely released and I was able to move the rest of my body and I whipped the blankets off of me, hopped out of bed and ran downstairs to you all. And as I remember, as I was coming downstairs and I'm like trying to explain what I just had happened to me as I was running down the stairs, you remember I was like, guys, guys, as soon as I tried to say something, I heard a the whizzing of something metal fly past my my head <laughs> and it hit the wall right near my TV stand <laughs> and everybody was like what the hell was that and uh, then I proceeded to explain what had just happened and I I remember you TJ were like yeah dude we we're trying to tell you that it wasn't us messing around up there um, but needless to say, that evening I slept down there with everybody else, just because 
of being held down in my own bed uh, was pretty terrifying. Yeah, I, I remember one of the craziest experiences I had by myself in your house was I was spending the house, the night there one night, and I guess I fell asleep on the couch in your living room. And you must have gone up to bed. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, and it was completely dark in your house. So the t- somebody had taken the TV, uh, and like somebody had turned it off. There's no lights. And I was I remember going, oh, I should probably go upstairs. Because I remember I woke up because I was cold. I was a little chilly laying on the couch. I didn't have a blanket. So I was like, I'll just go up to his room. I'm sure I can get a pillow and a blanket up there. And so I like was groggy walking up your staircase. And as I got to the middle of the staircase heading up into the hallway, I felt like this. It almost had, it was like somebody was holding like a blow dryer on me from the ceiling, but like my whole body really extremely hot. Like you had a heater vent in your ceiling and it was blowing down on me. And I thought, that's that's weird. You know, uh, I, I don't remember ever feeling that before. The heat must be on. Because the place I lived in down the street had forced hot air. Um, what I didn't realize at the time until the next morning when I woke up, I remember we were going to go downstairs to have breakfast. And I stopped in the middle of the staircase. And I was like, where's the heater vent? And you're like, what? And I'm like, do you have a heater vent here? And you're like, why would I have a heater vent there? You're like, the heaters are on the floor on the wall, man. Because you had uh, electric heaters in the house. Like baseboard. And I was like, dude, I'm, I may have walked through whatever that thing is last night. Because I came up the steps and it was like extreme heat right here in the middle of the steps. When I was coming to your room. And I just thought, that's really weird that that's, it's that hot. Like, they must have the heat turned up really high for it to be blown on me that hot. <laughs> so, I mean, that that really freaked me out. I may have walked right through the thing unknowingly in the dark in the middle of the night. Um, but then things started getting really weird when your dad started also uh, kind of like, he wouldn't really tell us things were going on, but he would act as if something happened to him and, and like, you know, he would blame blame us for doing something. He'd be like, you damn kids, uh, why do you keep doing this? And we're like, we're not doing it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, right. And then he'd like walk away, but he knew that he was experiencing this thing too, but they would never tell us until we were like in our 20s that what was going on. So I, I mean, one of the craziest things that you told me he experienced was uh, when he was sleeping in your little brother's room, trying to put him... Yeah, so... Again, it was one of those... I I don't know if... I think that this thing shapeshifts in my house to... Again, the... My... Our our neighbor friend, the girl that thought it was me that she was chasing, it manifested into me. Um, And this time, I heard... This is the weird part, is I'm in my room, I got the doors closed, and I'm trying to fall asleep, but I could hear creaking, boards creaking in our our bathroom, and I knew my dad had been laying down trying to put my brother to sleep, and you know, he'd lay with him, trying to get him to go to sleep. 
Right, and your brother... No problem. Sorry to cut you off, but your brother's room was like... There was a little foyer area where it had like a towel closet and three doors that was like big enough for maybe three people to stand in. And the one door went to your room, one door went to your brother's room, and one door went to the bathroom. So the only way you could get to your brother's room was either through the shower room, the bathroom, into that little foyer area, and into his room, or from the hallway into your room, you know, through the door into the foyer and into his room. And um, so I just thought it was my dad in there going to the bathroom um, going back and laying down. And, and I heard the movement for like an hour. Uh, and the second time that I heard the movement, my dad actually came through into my room. He knocked on the door and cracked it open. He's like, Hey, did you just come through here? And I was like, no. He's like, you didn't come through here. Stand in front of me and then climb out the window. And I'm like, are you insane? I was like, first off, it's it's storming out. I, I'm not gonna try to go out the window because in the past, I've our the front of our house had uh, like a, a full developed uh, roof that was like an awning uh, that went over. And then there were pillars that attached to the, the roof and you could climb down and, you know, our gutters ran down them. Yeah, it was like a front porch that basically led up into yeah, your kitchen. Yeah, and it, it wrapped around like an L. So I could I could sneak out from my room, and I had in the past when I was grounded, I'd sneak out that window, and I'd climb out on the roof, and then I'd shimmy down the, the pole to run out and hang out with my friends without my parents knowing, and then I'd come back and climb up it and get back in my room. Yeah, there were only two windows that led to that roof. Because I remember we'd go out there and, like, lay and look at the stars yeah. and stuff like that. It was your little brother's bedroom and your bedroom that had a window attached. So, he... I'm like, you you must be insane. But what my dad had described was that he was laying there with my brother. And he thought that, again, mind you, the movement was going on for 30 minutes that I heard. And my dad, apparently had not gotten up that entire time that he he was actually laying there the whole time and he heard the movement as well in the bathroom right he probably he thought, thought, he thought it was me in the bathroom or... <laughs> and uh so he he's like i just thought it was you going to the bathroom but when i when i looked up i opened my eyes and i thought you were standing over me but i couldn't see your face all i could see was a shadow of what looked like you and it, you started to laugh, and the voice did not sound like your, your voice. And then you walked over to the window, opened the window, and climbed out onto the, the awning. And I was like, you are insane. I was like, I've been trying to fall asleep this whole entire time, and I thought it was you in there. And then I went and I looked in uh, my brother's bedroom, and sure enough, the window that he was talking about was open, and the, the curtains were blowing wildly in the wind. <laughs> and uh, I went and I shut it, and I was I was like, Dad, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this happens all the time. And, and then he explained to me 
that he had, you know, later on, he, he, uh, later on, like, meaning not that night, but in the morning we talked about it some more, and he had explained to me that, um, he had to, to fix the wall in his bedroom because he thought there was an intruder in their room, and, um, my mom backed this up because we were, we were sitting around eating, uh, having breakfast, and she's like, yeah, he, uh, he almost took out the, the fan one night, punching at it, thinking somebody was standing over him in, in our bed. And he, I woke up and I witnessed him holding something up against the wall by its throat, and he punched the wall and put a hole in the wall. So we had to patch our wall. And I, I really truly believe that whatever my dad was experiencing was the same. It was, it was something that was coming to him at night and messing with him. Well, yeah, your, I mean, your brother, you know, told us once he was grown, years later, um, he was carried, or like, cradled and carried around his room by this mm-hmm. when he was, like, what, maybe four or five years old? And he didn't remember, but I, you know, I remember talking to him about it, and I was like, it's weird because you had an imaginary friend that you called Tukey when you were young. Yeah, he he talk about Tuki all the time. Like that, that was his friend. He talked to him, and he he said Tuki, you know, always does uh, mischievous things, and uh, you know, was kind of like a prankster. Um, but we didn't know any of that going on until years later when we were discussing how messed up things were at your house. Um, but I mean, as far as the when that when that thing would appear as somebody else, it didn't. It take on like the shape of the person, but there were no details. Yeah, because I remember you, you accused me one time of sneaking into the shower room where it was a stand-up shower with a glass door and standing outside the door while you were showering. Yeah, I was yelling at you. You, you called me up and you're like, "Why? Why would you come up here? I told you I was going to take a shower and then give you a call." And I was like, "Dude, I've been waiting on you to call me. Why? Why are you mad? Like, I didn't come up there." you're like, dude, I saw you. You were just here. You were in my shower room, and I got out soaking wet because you had walked into the bathroom. And when I turned the corner, you opened the window in the bathroom and jumped out. And I was like, well, first of all, I wasn't at your house. And second of all, if I would have jumped out your window to your bathroom, I probably would have broke a leg because it's in the second floor. Yeah. So I remember I came up, and we actually looked out the window, and you're like, yeah, I guess that is a pretty pretty far drop and you're like i know i know it was you though because i could it looked just like your hair i know it was you and i was like no it wasn't me well that was the craziest part about that experience was at that what i i I couldn't see you know i the glass in my shower was that tempered glass that uh distorts somebody's features and i heard the door, the door opened, and I could clearly hear somebody over the, the the shower running. I could hear the creaks on the wood, and then looking over the top of the glass, I could see your curly hair. It was like the the blondish brown curly hair that you have, but I could not see any of your. That's the only thing that I could see on you. So I started to talk to you 
like, what the hell are you doing here? So the same things that I called and talked to you on the phone about is I was at that time, I'm trying to like yell at you to get the hell out and you didn't. So when I cracked the, the glass door and opened it up, I seen you walk towards the window. And like I said, I just saw the back half of you going away from me. Into the bathroom. Yeah. Around around the other side of the wall. Yeah. And then when I went in, the, the window in the bathroom was open. So I was like, and there was nobody else there. So I'm like, you must have tried to, to get out that way. Because you were a crazy ass at the time right. and I wouldn't put it past you. Yeah, we were always messing <laughs> around know. with each other, but <laughs> I would never uh, come spy on you while you were nude in the shower. <laughs> well, and, you know, that's that's something that um, was so vivid that um, I truly believed was occurring at the time until we started to put two and two together and realize that it was just another experience that we were having. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the other craziest things that happened to me when I was by myself in your house, I remember it was New Year's, and I had it had to be it had to be the first first New Year's you were living in that house because I had I remember I had a paper route, mm-hmm. and you had the paper route before me because I had just moved back into the town from my mom's house. I my dad got custody of. And I remember you didn't want the paper out anymore, so I took it over. You had said, "Hey, I know, I know. Tomorrow's Sunday, so the papers are going to be heavy. When you get up at 4 a.m., go get the papers ready and bag them, and then come get me, and we'll split the route." And I was like, "Okay, that's fine." So when I was coming back into your house, I had, I think, it, what it, it was probably like 30 some papers, Sunday papers within two two bags so I had a bag strapped around each side of my neck walking yeah. into your house um, and when I walked in the front door it was completely dark uh, you know I didn't want to turn any lights on or anything because I basically just wanted to get the job done and go back to bed but I closed the door behind me and you had like it was kind of like a floor to ceiling island in the middle of your kitchen so there was like if you went around to the left of it, there were like cupboards on your right hand side, but it was just like a hallway. And then on the right, if you went around it, it was like your stove and your sink and your refrigerator. But that night I went around to the left because I was a wide load with those paper bags on me. And as I was walking, I felt like this gust of air blow by me and it growled. It was like, it like rushed by me and it, uh, one of your cabinets doors on the other side of the counter slammed shut and I was like man I know I'm tired but that was weird because I know I closed the door I know I closed the front door I don't know where that wind came from but you know I thought maybe you had a window open for some reason uh, on New Year's Day in your house yeah I was like I have no idea <laughs> in the freezing cold uh, but then I started walking towards the steps that go up to your living room and all three of your cats were sitting like in a row like you know one was to the right side one was left and then there was another one on the staircase and they were all looking at me or behind me and they all had mohawks and they were going 
and like making weird noises. So I so they were puffed up, threatened. Yeah, like I I remember I panicked and uh, ran up to your room and woke you up and told you what happened. And I was like, I was terrified to be in that house by myself. Like after that happened, I was like, yeah. There's no way I want to be in there alone because whatever it was was must have been right behind me for your cats. I've never seen your cats do anything like that, um, and they knew who I was, so it wasn't like they were doing it to me. But it uh, freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I my cats were familiar with you. It's not like they're going to you know defend the house from you. They could pick up your scent, obviously. And you know they have they have six sense about that stuff. I they've done that on several occasions, and so did my dog. So I believed you when you said that that experience had happened because there would be just you know I can't I can't even explain how many times that they would do that. They would stare. They'd see it too. My dog was backing whatever he saw into a corner one time and was just barking and growling and staring this corner down and nothing nothing was there but he was intent on making sure that he was going to tear whatever was there a new one and it took him a while it took us a while to calm the dog down and the same thing with our cats i've, I've seen that same thing happen i can't tell you how many times with our cats them all freaking out over something that we could not see with our naked eye and couldn't explain why they were behaving that way in the house. Yeah, I mean, it, the most intense times were like before we were old enough to drive and had like jobs and things like that with this thing. Things still happened at your house, but we didn't spend nearly the amount of time that we spent there. Yeah, uh, when we were younger. Um, but I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad I don't have to go back into that house again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, the experiences that we had weren't, while they weren't the only contributing factor, I moved away, and those same things started were, would continue to pick up because, you know, after I moved away, I came back and we started to have dialogue with my mom and my dad about more experiences that they had, you know happened to them when I had left and uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't the only factor but it was a contributing factor for them selling the house and after we sold the house uh, my brother knew the individuals that had moved into that place yeah after you know that's bought our place and they were experiencing the same things they sold it because they couldn't take it and somebody else i don't know who has the house now yeah but it's it's like it started all over with a new family because i remember your brother said yeah the, the kid that lives there now called me and he asked me what was up with the attic door they couldn't figure out why it wouldn't stay shut and i was like uh yeah they're not going to be able to keep it shut after what i've seen through all these years uh yeah they must have got a they must have got a pretty good deal on that house <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's it's crazy to think, and I, I was pissed off when, at my mom when, after I moved away and we started talking to her, and she's like, yeah, 
I'd be down in the, the laundry room, in the rec room, doing laundry, and I, I'd experience stuff all the time. I thought I thought it was the animals or the cats, but I'd fold a basket of laundry, and I'd turn around, and the laundry would be tipped over, knocked over all over the place, and I'd have to refold it again. You know, it happens once, but once it starts to continually happen, it's not a coincidence. From, from my mom's experiences, she started to talk to our neighbors, which she didn't tell us until, you know, much later. But there's a lot of older families, uh, older people in our neighborhood who have lived there their whole lives. Uh, because in that area, a house is passed down to children and, and then they pass the, the house on to their children. Well, yeah, not to mention that, you know, where we lived, there was a paper mill, and a lot of people that lived in our little town worked there. So they had been living there their whole lives. Um, you know, but yeah, there were there were a, a good bit of old people in the neighborhood, you know, in their 70s and 80s retired. And they, and they had grown up in those houses even as children. And so they, there was a history that could be told a continuity of history and um, I guess our neighbors had known the people that originally built the house the house was uh, around 120 years old and it was originally not as large as what we purchased it as it was just a small row home but it was three stories and um, it was owned by a family named the Seniffs which is a common name in our area and the there was a, a boy there that grew up in the home and took over the home himself his name was Messariah Senift and things started to really click when they explained what the individual looked like and his characteristics they said that Messariah Senift was about six foot one slender he had shoulder length curly hair and that he was a prankster he, he liked to play pranks, and they said that he may he may have had some sort of mental disability or an illness, but um, that kind of explains the reason why he had the job that he had. Um, there was a church that was converted into an intermediate school right up the street from where we we lived. And yeah, when we were young, it was an intermediate school, but at the very top of the hill, about uh, what was about a block and a half away. Yeah, it was this old church um, with gargoyles and stuff, so it was definitely old, like a gothic church. And um, there was a tower that had a bell in it, and Messariah's job was to ring that bell. And in our time living there, there had been unexplained occurrences at that tower, where even uh, you and I, I remember clearly seeing somebody up in that tower. That we that we couldn't like sh- like a shadow figure. First off, it's at night, and the the tower is closed up. Yeah, and you're like, how did somebody get up there? And there had been unex like granted, there's an electronic bell ring now. The bell no longer is operational. Yeah, but you would hear that bell go off at unexplained times, even though it's no longer functioning. And you would see shadow figures up in that tower, and I, I really truly believe that. Yeah. Knowing, looking back on it now, 
I, I think the experiences there and in my house are linked. Right. Like I said, whatever it was was a strong presence, um, and I don't know if it was. It felt like it was an individual spirit when I, we first moved in, right. but then after we did the Ouija board um, session, I, I definitely think that there may have been more than a more malicious spirit that existed there uh, after that. Well, I mean, uh, another another thing that you know your your mom found out that she told us later was. Uh, Mezariah had hung himself in the attic, had actually taken his own life, which explains a lot, but it makes you wonder if he was dealing with something that led him to do that within the house. Because I, I, you know, I almost think that when it first started, it could have been him, like when it was playful, but when it started getting darker and doing like physical things to you, um, it was one of those things. It was it was terrifying because you couldn't do anything to defend yourself against this thing, but it could move objects and do physical harm to you. But it was like you couldn't attack it back. So I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to deal with the house anymore. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad your parents moved out. And maybe maybe the entity was there the whole time. I just unfortunately, um, again, I, I regret doing the. I think maybe when we did the, the Ouija board session in my house that maybe it it unlocked or invited it to become, I don't know, more powerful. Or provoked it. I, I mean, Yeah, or provoked it. I don't know. It could have been the same thing. I mean, it, in appearance, it looked like the same thing. It looked like the same shadow figure. I'll see it, but it, it definitely uh, it didn't do, it didn't come from the upstairs hallway after the Ouija board as much. You could hear it walking up there, but it wouldn't do what it had started doing when we first saw it, walking down the stairs and peeking and stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know I definitely have, like, PTSD from the experience. Yeah, you, you know, now, I, I and this is what I, I believe, I was very, I was a non-believer in the afterlife in, you know, spirituality in ghosts, um, the supernatural before I moved into that house. Um, and since that had occurred, I have experienced very little on the, the same playing field as, as those experiences. But every now and again, there are some things that occur, you know, in other places that I've been in my travels and when I do have those experiences, um, it just takes me right back to that house and experiencing those things. And I, I, I think I'm definitely more aware yeah. of my surroundings and the occurrences that right. happen because of it. Yeah, I know I'm definitely more sensitive to those types of things because of being around that house. Um, but I've never, since then, and whatever that thing was, I've never had anything like feel like it was going to harm me if I saw something out of the corner of my eye but it would always take me back there where if I see something a spirit or something I immediately get freaked out like uh, <laughs> it's going to hurt me um, and it's I don't know it's just uh, you know it's one of those things that I don't think I'll ever get rid of anyway uh, I guess that's pretty much everything 
that we dealt with throughout all the years at your house. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, you joining me. Uh, yeah, thanks thanks for inviting me to talk about it with you. No problem. And and like I said, um, I, I don't know. To me, you and I, I, I definitely think that it it's it kind of we were already good friends. But I think that those experiences uh, strengthened that bond. And thanks for uh, being haunted with me, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it kind of added validity to the story to have somebody else experience the same things and uh, be able to tell the same stories. So I know, I know, people look at you like you're crazy. When you uh, tell them, we know. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have it any other way. But you know, uh, at yeah. the same time, I wish I wouldn't have yeah. had to go through that with you. <laughs> Anyway, I guess I want to thank everybody for listening. Yes, thank, thanks for hearing our story, and uh, I, I'd love to hear some feedback um, and some shared experiences that you know other people have had in the area. Definitely um, would be interested in, in follow up if anybody if that appeals has experienced the same yeah. thing. Yeah, cool. So anyway. Later. It's good talking to you. Happy Halloween. Bye. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Stuff of Nightmares podcast. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about today's topic, you can check out our sources in the show notes on Facebook and our website at www.thestuffofnightmares.show. Like, share, and follow us on Facebook as well as subscribe and give us a positive review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have an experience that you would like to share with the show, you can either email me to admin at the stuff of nightmares podcast dot show or message me through Facebook. I am your host, Rick Ness. I will see you next episode where I hope to find out what keeps you up at night.